Welcome to Movie Mavericks, the show where we talk smack about movies. I guess we're going with that catchphrase now. I don't know. We're just rolling with it. And today, we are here to discuss the newest One Piece theatrical movie, the first theatrical movie to be shown in theaters in America, One Piece Film Gold. Here with me, I've got my bro, the Lord GTZ. Hi, everybody. Okay. And we have also got my co-host on Manga Mavericks and overall best manga buddy, Colton Solem. Hi, it's me. I'm from Manga Mavericks. This is... Am I on the, am I on the right podcast? It's called Movie Mavericks. I, th- I thought I thought we were recording Manga Mavericks today, but I guess not. It's fine. We're talking about something manga-related anyways. It's the latest One Piece theatrical movie, the 13th One Piece movie, Film Gold. And this movie is really awesome because Funny managed to do a limited release screening for a week over here in the United States, making this the first One Piece movie to be released theatrically in the United States. And it's just such a treat to be able to go out and see one of these movies on the big screen. I love seeing anime movies on the big screen, and this was just a fun experience, too. Uh, so how about we first go in to our teeter experiences? Were there any interesting things, in, any interesting like fan reactions to stuff happening in the theaters when you guys went to go see this movie? Or... Also, let's just go into, like, when you saw this movie and, like, uh, uh, what your feelings were about the movie leading up to it. What do you think it was going to be like? And were you satisfied with what you got? Or were you surprised? How did you feel about it? I mean, I guess I'll go first. Um, So I saw it on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, January 9th at uh, 7 p.m. It was in downtown Minneapolis, so it was about a 20-minute drive from where I am right now. In terms of the theater itself, I'd, I had been to this theater many times before. This is where Funimation's movies usually are screened in Minnesota. So I, I was familiar with the theater. I knew where to park and everything like that. In terms of, like, how many people were there, there was, like, probably, like, ten other people besides me. So there wasn't, like, a ton of people. The theater was definitely less than a third full. But everyone there was really into One Piece. They... They were, like, really excited to watch the movie and everything. And I guess, overall, my experience was what I expected. It was a fun One Piece film. And theater-wise, the theater was good, like always. So, yeah. And it was definitely better than that Princess Mononoke 20th anniversary screening. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. Let's just stop everything right now and talk about that train wreck of a screening. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. The first movie starts 20 minutes late. 20 minutes late. (laughs) <laughs> then we they play the wrong version of the movie. It was supposed to be a subtitle screening. What did they play? The English dub. They showed the, the audio dub. was also really super low too. Like you can barely hear a thing. Then they suddenly stop the movie and they replay it from the beginning. And we have to sit through that five minute on your mark short all over again. Which personally I thought was interesting, but like the audience was like, no, not this crap again with the stupid police officer saving this angel thing. What does this even mean? It's so hammy. God, ah, we're not, we don't like this. No. And so that was annoying. And then it was still the wrong version of the movie. It was still the dub. <laughs> Wow, so they had to stop it again. 
and then they skipped ahead 20 minutes and it was the stuff, but they skipped ahead 20 minutes and they skipped important scenes like when they explained the plot of the movie. Yeah, they skipped the they major skipped the scene plot where they points. explained the freaking plot of the movie. So then we had to, they had to remind it again another half hour and then it was like, okay, finally, this time they're, 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 they got it. Finally, we can just let it play, right? And then it stops again. And they were like, oh my god. And then after a dozen more times, they finally got it right. And they played the movie. And the movie was good because it's Princess Mononoke. But holy crap, that was one of the worst theater experiences I have ever had. To be fair, the manager did give everyone refunds at the end and free movie passes. So he, he was clearly sorry. Like, it was an honest mistake. And it was like, I think it was more on like the actual guy running the film stuff up top in the theater. Like, I don't think he was aware that there was a difference between the dub and the sub version. Neither did the manager. He outright said he didn't know what the difference was between a dub and sub version. I mean, the manager, I make sense because, like, he's not in charge of the films and stuff. Like, he he's not going to be well-versed in every film. But at the same time, the guy running the actual film in the theaters themselves, who are, like, setting up the films, should know the difference between which version you're supposed to be showing at what time. And I guess, like, usually they don't have this problem, because usually you're not going to have, like, a dub and a sub version playing at the same time. But for, like, a limited, like, theater event like this, they should be prepared. Especially when it's a sold-out theater. Like, both of the showings for this, both the dub showing and the sub showing, were completely sold out. Yeah. So, like... I really hope they get their act together for the next Ghibli screening, but oh my god, AMC Mall 18 in Eden Prairie, you really fucked up on that one. To be fair, I heard, like, pretty good things about the Spirited Away one. Like, they didn't mess up anything there. So I I think this was just an honest mistake. Like, I've never had any problems at that theater, and that's usually the main theater I go to for regular movies, because it's, like... 10 minute drive for me. So, with that out of the way, let's get back to One Piece. Colton, how was your theater experience? Well, I mean, Vilar, did you finish? Huh? Yeah, I'm done. Oh, okay, I was just making sure. So, yeah, I, um, I'm not really sh- I'm trying to remember. I-, I went through this thing where, like, I was gonna kind of wait until I saw it with my sister to go see it, but then, you know, Tuesday comes around, and, you know, that was when the first, uh, screening was airing, obviously, and, you know, I was just getting home from work, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go see this movie tonight. So at first I wasn't going to go see it opening night. But then I thought, yeah, you know what? I might as well just go see it. Because I, I really I really did want to see this movie. Like, I, like, it didn't hit me how much I actually wanted to see this movie un- until until opening night. So, you know, I uh, I got some money ready. I, I took the bus from my street all the way down to... Uh, I guess if you live in the St. Louis area in uh, Del Mar in the Loop, uh, which is about, I want to say, 20 minutes away from where I live in the University City area. I went to the uh, Tivoli Landmark Theater where um, they usually, th- that along with our um, with our local Werenberg Theater's very old uh, St. Louis Theater that's been around since like, at least for a hundred years or so, it's been around for a while, uh... Now, those are basically the two theaters that air a lot of these, like, limited run of Funimation 
uh, anime movies or whatnot. You know, I, I, I got there early enough to, you know, get something to eat and walk around the strip because there's, there's, there are a lot of really neat places to, you know, go to in the loop, like oh, some comic book shops and, and a few other specialty shops, uh, that are always interesting to visit. Uh, I got some Froyo right before the movie. That was fun. Also, also had a lot of people coming up for, uh, coming up to me to ask for bus money, uh, as usual. A lot of people like that in the loop. Uh, one guy even like so uh, went as far to like. Th- this is kind of a tangent, but it was also kind of like it was also a, a little a little frightening because there was this guy who was just who kept like coming up to me asking me for bus money, which, um. Which, you know, I, I had a lot of my money I had on my card. I didn't really have a lot of dollar bills to spare because I had to save those for my bus ride home. And, like, when I told him, oh, hey, I mostly just have money on my card, he was like, oh, you know, there are places around here where, where you, you buy stuff with your card, they'll give you back money. And I'm like, yeah, there are. And, like, I told him I was, okay, I guess I'm just going to go in the comic book shop now. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go do something else and to wait for you. So, like, I had, I spent, like, at least a good half hour trying to get away from this guy who kept asking me for money. He was very persistent. Um, if, Eventually, he gave up. I mean, he wasn't, like, he wasn't, like, threatening me or anything, but he was definitely very persistent. So that was kind of weird. But, you know, eventually I went I went to the movie, and um, my, my theater wasn't... It was more packed than V-Lords, it seems like. I, I had at least, like, 20, 25 people in the theater, which, you know, it's a, it's a, it's enough people, but, like, it didn't really, like, fill the arena or anything. <clears throat> and I, I couldn't tell if there was something wrong with, uh, with the audio for our screening, because, like, I could understand a lot of what was going on just fine, but there were moments where, like, the music ended up being a little louder than some of the dialogue in some parts of the movie. But other other than that, I still I still had a pretty decent enough time understanding the dialogue and what was going on, and nothing was really lost on me, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't really think of... Um, a lot of the crowd wasn't, like, super responsive to everything, like... You know, th- there were there were some moments in the movie that I was kind of surprised didn't get a bigger laugh. I think um, I think the moment that probably got the biggest laugh in the theater was probably the probably the scene where Luffy gets caught giving the thumbs up to Frankie and he's, uh, and then they show it on all the monitors on um, in the on the casino island. Uh, that that got a pretty good laugh out of everybody. But uh, other than that. Um, a lot of the crowd didn't really like react much to a lot of anything. It was it was a very chill theater experience uh, for the most part. But yeah, like I said, like I was, it didn't hit me how excited I was to see see the movie until I impulsively decided to go see it on opening night, even though I wasn't going to go see it opening night at first. Yeah, so I was excited to see this movie as soon as Funimation announced that they were going to be showing a theatrical screening for it. And I was like, yes, finally, One Piece on the big screen. Awesome. So the minute they put up the tickets for pre-order, I pre-ordered my tickets, and I pre-ordered them from the AMC on 2nd Avenue. And then a couple days later... They refunded my tickets and said, oh, we're no longer showing One Piece Film Gold. Sorry. But I was like, what? Oh, man. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just go get tickets from another theater then. Whatever. Uh, so I, I got tickets from, ordered a ticket from uh, Regal Union Square. But then I never received an email confirmation for them. So I was like, 
Okay, so did my order go through or not? I'm I'm confused here. So then it was like, eh, screw it. I'll just I'll just go see it at a theater I can trust. So I I ordered tickets for from uh, Village East Cinema, which is pretty much the best theater I I can go to for to see like good screenings of anime films. Like I saw. Every, I, I saw most of the anime films I, I've seen, I've seen there, really. Ta- uh, most recently, of course, being Girls and Panzer, and then next month they're going to go see the re-release screening of Ghost in the Shell there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the screening, the anime screenings in New York I usually see there, though I have seen a few in, in like, Cineapolis, the, Chel- the Cineapolis Chelsea to, like, I saw a psychopath movie on that one. But, so, like, I ordered a ticket for that, for the, for, to see a spinning there on Saturday morning. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna think about this for a while, but I'm really excited to finally get to see this movie eventually. And then, last Tuesday comes, opening night, and then I, everyone was getting so excited about it, and I saw it, and, like, we Lord was gonna go see it, and then you messaged me saying you were gonna go see it, and I was like, oh, man... I don't know. Can, can I really wait until Saturday to go see this movie? <laughs> Gosh damn it. So then I decided to take a chance to say, you know what? I never got an email confirmation from Regal Union Square Stadium 14. But maybe if I went to Regal Union Square Stadium 14, they actually did order my ticket. Or there's going to be room and I can go see the screening. So I went to Regal Union Square Stadium 14. And then it turns out, yeah, my order did go through. I did. That ticket was ordered off all along. I don't know why I didn't get an email confirmation, but okay, great. So I got to go see the movie on Tuesday night. And that was nice because I don't know, because it would have been killing me to wait any longer to see that movie, especially with everyone talking about it. So, yeah, it was a good screening. I think that I've seen actually the movie twice because I still went to the, to the screening I bought tickets for yesterday at uh, Village Cinema. So I've seen the movie twice now. And I have to say that the, the screening I saw on opening night, that was easily the most excited crowd between the two. Like, they were, like... They were, like... Sp- specifically, there were, like, these two girls behind me, in particular, who were, like, really getting excited about things that happen in the movie. Like, when some certain cameo show out, they were like... <gasps> <laughs> and, they were, and, you know, of course, everyone in the theater was laughing at all the jokes. Like, you mentioned that Luffy uh, getting found out scene during the heist. In both the screenings I went to, that scene got an uproarious laughter from the crowd. But also other great jo- other little jokes in there, like Dice's, like, masochistic moments. Uh, you know, Robin's one-liners. Really, there were a lot of great funny moments that got, like, huge laughs from the crowd. Like, Luffy's line about, oh, uh, she tricked us? Well, I don't understand it, so whatever. That got, the, both times I saw that, I saw the movie, that got a big laugh from the crowd. So there were a lot of great moments, uh, during the screening that everyone laughed at. And it's, it, I'd be recapping the entire movie to, to go over all of them. But, you know, I, I, this is why I really enjoy going to see anime movies in the theaters because the audience participation and like the enjoyment is just so high because you only get fans who go to the screenings really. Real, I mean, so like everyone is so excited to see this movie and they're like really getting into it and that's always such a treat. So both my experiences I would say were, were pretty good. Though I'd say the screening I saw on opening night had the most enthusiastic crowd 
which made it a little better. Though I did, the, the girls behind me were kicking my seat a lot because they were so excited. I was like, uh, I could, could you stop kicking my seat. But, but still, even, even, uh, even accounting for that, I think that was probably the better of the two screenings for me just because the crowd was just so more into that one. And, you know, they, they were into the, the crowd in my second one was also into it, but they were just not as, like, pumped up as the opening night crowders were. So I had good theater experiences, and yeah, like it was, uh, it was a good time with the movie. Like at it was, it was weird because I thought I was gonna have some problems. Well, okay, so the, during the opening night screening, I was like five minutes late, so I, so I only came in like at the title card of the movie. I was like, ah, oh, gosh darn. Oh, that, that's that a shame because another... like, so, so you came in right. Yeah, about... that was another reason that I wanted to go to the. Uh, to a, the, a second screening, which I did yesterday. So okay. I did finally get to see that opening Man, scene. Man, because the opening great. scene of the movie is so good. Oh, yeah. that So that was one problem I had with the first one, is that I got in five minutes late. And then with the second one, I was confused at first because they were playing trailers for Spider-Man Homecoming and <laughs> Lego Batman before the movie, and I was like, wait, they don't usually do these at anime movie screenings. But then later after that, they played the Ghost in the Shell re-release one, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm in the right Did, did they also God. play the uh, Your Name trailer? Yes, they also played Your Name. Okay, yeah, they, they played two of those at my screening, too. So, yeah, uh, Overall, I had really good theater experiences, and that that was really nice. It was really cool to see a One Piece movie on the big screen. But I think we should go into a little bit our thoughts on the movie as a whole. So, Colton V. Lord, what did you think of One Piece Film Gold as a movie? What did you think about the villain, the new characters, and the overall storyline? Where do you want to begin with this, you guys? Um, I guess, uh, first overall, I feel that this movie was really, really fun. Personally, though, I feel that One Piece Film Z was better than Film Gold. Mainly because Film Z very much was about a story about kind of the Marines themselves. And, like, how, like, usually we always have kind of viewed the Marines in very much more gives villainous light, though obviously there's good people within the Marines in the One Piece world. But it very much kind of established the main character Zed and stuff as kind of this guy who is very much, I guess, a figure and a person that a lot of the Marines like Kizaru and Aokiji and Aokiji and uh, Akainu had looked up to. And it was very interesting kind of seeing like how his kind of opinions about the pirate world had kind of like warped over time due to the uh, tragedies that he faced. Right. Tezoro is a very kind of cool villain. He's a very fun villain. But we don't really get too much backstory about him besides the fact that he was at one point a slave of the Celestial Dragons. Now, on that point, I think I'm going to have to... I ha- I'm going to have to disagree with you because I think we got plenty of backstory on Tezoro. We got quite a good understanding of his past in just a short amount of time. They didn't belabor the point on his past story, but we pretty much got everything we needed to know about him. That he grew up poor in an abusive household with, like, a mother who, you know, was very, like, abusive towards him, like, probably an alcoholic or, like, an addict or something. Like, she had something wrong with her, and she was she was yelling at him and denying, and, like, telling him to not sing and, like, follow his dreams or whatever. And so... 
He went off on his own. He joined a gang, but that gang betrayed him. And then he was at his lowest point. He met this girl who was being sold in the slave in a slave shop. And then over time, like as he got his life together, like he also was forming this relationship with this girl Stella, and like fell in love with her. And like he wanted, he was working hard in order to like buy her freedom, but unfortunately, the Celestial Dragons came in and bought her, and then they were separated, and he couldn't do anything about it, and then later, he was sold off as a slave to the Celestial Dragons, too, and, like, they really traumatized the heck out of him, and, like, that is when, kind of, he realized, like, you need, like, money and power in order to, like be anyone or, like, get anywhere in this world. Like, to have the things you want, you need money and power. And, like, just to, like, what the Celestial Dragons do to him. Specifically, uh, when the Celestial Dragon tells him, who told you you could laugh? That's a line to Zoro, we see to Zoro, uh, repeat earlier in the movie. Like, those experiences really haunted and affected him. So, though later we get the understanding that he was probably freed during the, during when Fisher Tiger freed all the slaves. Yeah. And then, uh, Later on, he became in the possession of the Gold Devil Fruit, and then he met Doflamingo and formed a connection with him, and Doflamingo helped him set up, like, Grand Tesoro, and then he accrued all his current allies and well-famed fortune and made his connections, and that is how he got to the position where he is. Like, he came from the bottom up, and from some really awful traumatic experiences, and that shaped the kind of person he became and why he values money and as the ultimate f- symbol of power and why he thinks that you can own people with money. Like, money gives you to... Like, being wealthy and having money gives you the right to own people and to uh, control them and to do whatever they want to them. That money is the ultimate symbol of pow- wealth, status, and power. And also, we get the sensation that his main motivation for, like, doing what he does to the strides in the movie, aside from, like, self-amusement, is also that he was getting revenge for, like, them defeating Doflamingo. Because he specifically mentions that, like, those straw hats cause a real trouble thanks to them taking down Doflamingo. So, partly his motivation, it seemed, was, like, Getting revenge on behalf of yeah, the I mean, they, they they heavily imply that Doflamingo was either like kind of an investor in the kind of resort or of some sort, kind of like he was he was helping like support the resort itself. It's, it was clear to Zoro and Doflamingo had really deep connections, and that and that was a huge part of also how Zoro turned out considering what we know about Doflamingo. Uh, of course, Tesoro is, in many ways, in terms of, like, personality and a little bit of his design, resembles Doflamingo, but where he comes from and his past is so completely different, which is really interesting. See, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I completely agree with that, which I, I want to, I want to put out there that, um, I kind of, I kind of agree with both of both you and V Lord, I, I, I feel like I had a my my one issue with the movie is that you know when when they do dive into into Tesoro's past, I feel like I feel like they kind they kind of cram it all into like only like a few minutes, and they kind of they kind of speed through a lot of it, which I feel like I can't really blame the movie too much because the movie does kind of tackle a lot in a, in two hours. 
It's a it, it's it's a pretty dense movie. I feel like for a One Piece yeah. movie, and like what what you what Sid all just explained was what like literally was pro- in the movie itself was probably explained in a, a matter minute. of like two minutes. Yeah, yeah like because so, so I feel like you don't need to spend to belabor the point and spend. Well, no, too much I'm not, time. I'm not like, saying that. I I'm think just... it's so effective that they tell. They told us all of that about Tesoro in just like yeah, a but it's done. Or two. The problem is like so much of that is done like right at the end of the film, not right at the end. Like we got so much implications of like Tesoro's past too, just in earlier scenes. So it doesn't all come out of nowhere. It doesn't come out of nowhere, but like I, I legitimately did have trouble trying to like keep up with what was going on. Like at, at, there were so many points during that little moment where I was like. Wait, who's that one girl? Oh, wait, how does she relate? Okay, I think I think they were in love. I'm just going to assume that. Oh, wait, now she's taken away. Oh, wait, oh now now he's getting branded. Like, I actually had a lot of trouble trying to like, I like I'm not saying it like I'm not saying like oh, you know nobody could understand it, but I feel like I personally I had trouble trying to kind of piece it together at the speed they were trying to give me all the information. That that was my only problem. Maybe it could have been a little slower, but personally, I was able to follow it. I, like, I don't expect them to spend, like, an entire half hour on it or anything, but I but I feel like it could have been a little slower. I mean, compared to how, like, Zed was, like, how they explained Zed's backstory in One Piece Film Z, where they, they take at least, like, they, like, Zed's backstory is not super long, but they at least take some time to explain who he is and why he why his backstory is significant, why that changed him. In Film Gold, we have Tesoro's backstory in, like, less than a minute. It's just patches of, like, flashbacks, which is all fine and good. We get we get what he's about. We get his motivations. But I guess in terms of presentation and how it's conveyed, I feel it could have been at least maybe lengthened out a little bit so at least has some time to breathe. Yeah, that, that I think that that's, that's all I'm trying to say. I think if it had room to breathe, I think I would have been able to taken everything a little better because like i i understood what his character was about i just kind of had trouble trying to connect it all together because it it did like the the way it was presented i felt like it wasn't conveyed as well as i think it could have been but i still think it was conveyed well enough i guess okay but maybe to steer us back i want to get our general like thoughts as of the overall movie like how uh, what we really enjoyed about the movie specifically, and for me, I really like I really like film gold, uh, really like a heist film, and yeah. Also, the setting of the movie, like really heavily inspired by Las Vegas, was very creative and looked really really good. All the costumes the Straw Hats wore in the movie were a lot of fun, yes. and very visually interesting. And uh, just general, the feel uh, and the tone of it was just. Like, really, it had this really great pacing to it. It had this really great energy to it. It was a lot of fun to look at, and it was really easy to follow. Like, even though I had already seen the movie, I was enjoying it just as much as I did the first time, if not even more, watching it the second time. And, yeah, I think this is a movie that's going to hold up really, really well on rewatches. Uh, there are a lot, even like subtle things that I hadn't even noticed rewatching the movie, like how the stage Tesoro stings on at the beginning is called the Gold Stella stage. Oh, like that's a hint right there. Like, oh my God, wow. Wow, that is that's actually kind of sad. Even his success is also motivated by his memories of Stella and like kind of trying to keep her memory alive with this, like, wealth and success of this, of this like, 
big, giant casino resort that is Grand Tesoro. And it's like, wow, that is pretty heavy. And it, it is kind of sad. So there's a lot of really cool things and really cool details in this movie. So I, I thought it was really, really fun. And like, as a, as one of the One Piece, as far as compared to other One Piece movies, I think that it is just really easy to watch again and again because of just how fun the pace is and just how quick the pacing is. Like, there's so much that happens in the movie, but and it never feels slow. It never feels slow, and it also never feels too fast. You're moved on at just the right pace, and I think that you can absorb everything just really well. And I really like that about it. I do not think the movie has as much interesting things to say about the series as Film Z did. I think Film Z showed a really interesting portrayal at the Fractured Marines post the Marine Ford War. And it showed a lot of sides of Marines that we hadn't seen in the series, but that are very relevant. And the character of Zephyr is easily still the best One Piece movie villain in terms of a, co- a complex and multifaceted character. Tesoro is still probably one up there, like he is a really interesting villain, but he is a little too similar to Doflamingo in some respects, whereas Z was a little more original and I can't really place him as similar to uh, a, an existing series uh, character. I'd say that the biggest weakness I found a film goal as a whole was that it clearly was lifting a lot of elements from Dressrosa. But I think that unlike Dragon Ball Z movies, it did it in a, it still put enough of a fresh spin on what it was doing that it felt still unique and it felt like really interesting and it felt like something you weren't getting out of another part of One Piece as a the One Piece media franchise. So I think this was just really good addition to the film series and to basically the One Piece media franchise as a whole because it's such a unique and fun entry in it. Yeah, I really like the fact that this film was like a heist type film and I, I found that really fun. It's like it's like the Straw Hats in Vegas and now they're going to go steal a bunch of stuff. It's like it's a really fun concept. Ocean's Eleven X One Piece. Yeah, I guess pretty much. Heck, there were 11 of them. Well, I guess... Yeah, yeah there, there were 11 of them. Oh so, my god, yeah. that's, that's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just a really fun, like, idea. And, like, yeah, it worked out pretty well. Like, it, I guess it's a good, like, change in tone compared to Film Z, where Film Z is a very kind of serious film in tone. So th- this was a very nice contrast to that. Yeah, so I... Uh... I think it's safe to say, and I, I even said this on Twitter, and I th- I think it's going to ring true even after I like rewatch all of them. But I really do think this is my favorite One Piece movie. Okay, like I, that's that's honestly my opinion. Like I <clears throat> probably doesn't help that like I haven't seen Film Z in a while, but I do agree that uh, and I, I think emotionally it's a better One Piece movie. But I think in terms of just a fun adventure, something that One Piece is kind of known for. I think a film gold makes a de- I think makes for a better one piece movie in particular. And that was something I also liked about this movie too, was that it was, it, it was kind of different from, you know, most, uh, from most one piece stuff because, and I mean, while, yeah, like the, the idea behind the movie, uh, is generally, it is, it, it is, it is very similar to dress Rosa, except it's not dragged out over two years. Um, <laughs> 
I'm I'm not exactly a very big fan of the Dressrosa arc in the manga, honestly. Um, I thought uh, I, I even thought this was better than most of the Dressrosa arc. I'll be completely honest, um, mm. because I like I, I I really like the idea of of a One Piece heist movie, and like I, I felt like the that idea overall was what really just kind of put this movie over the top for me. Because it's it's you know other than Dressrosa, it's not really something we've seen one piece really tackle at all like it's it's just it's just an interesting scenario to put these characters in and um you know it, it's obviously i I, th- I think it's pretty different from most of the other one piece movies too i mean you know it has a lot of the same aspects like you know like the one on one fights and all that but and the kid oh yeah there is always always a kid, kid. there's always a little kid <laughs> in these one piece movies yeah, except, except like this, this the, like the kid characters in this didn't really like overstay their welcome, and they didn't really yeah, like. Yeah, they were perfectly fine and yeah, forgettable. They they weren't like annoying at all, and that's like that's that's just kind of something that Toei likes to do with a lot of their One Piece anime stuff in general. Is like even especially in like uh, the filler arcs that they do for the anime. There's always got to be like a kid character always, and they're always annoyings. Self-insert character for the little kids. Yeah, and I and I always hate them. The the kids' characters in this were fine, and I thought, you know, we're actually somewhat endearing. Um, I didn't. I liked I liked the kid when he hit Spandam with the pipe. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Speaking of CP Zero, did they ever explain in the manga that Rob Lucci became like the leader of CP Zero? I think. It's... Yeah, we saw him. We saw him did at we the see end him? of Dressrosa. We yeah, at the end of Dressrosa, we saw Spandam report to Lucci. I do not remember this. Then again, Dressrosa was so much of a mess that uh, everything is kind of a well, see, the, for that. The thing about that reveal is that, like, it, you could tell it's Rob Lucci, but, like, he still has the mask on. So, like, yeah. we never actually get to see his face. But, like, it is it is clearly oh, Rob yeah, Lucci. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, you could clearly tell, you know, in, in the manga that they were they were the remnants of CP9. So I don't think mm. there's really any question there. I thought, like, the CP9 became, like... Wanted criminals because Spandam like put all the blame on yeah. them. Yeah, I think that Lucci somehow worked his way back into the government, but we don't know about the rest of the former CP9 agents, and that's something I'm curious to learn about if they when they appear again, as I'm sure they will. I was confused about that because Lucci kind of escaped with everyone else, and, like kind of told Spandam to screw off in those cover pages. But I can totally buy that Lucci would return to the world government if they offered uh, a hand to him. Like, offered and told him, we're, we're going to welcome you back and we're giving you even this better position now, and now you're calling the shots. So I, I can yeah. totally buy that with someone who believes in justice and as strongly as Lucci, that he would totally take up, he, he would totally return under that condition. Especially since that's, like, the only life he knows. Yeah, and the rest of CP9, we don't know if they've returned or not, so... That's something it'll be interesting to see. It kind of makes sense. I mean, I'm sure the world government doesn't really want people as powerful as CP9 to be to be on the opposing side of them. I think at least some of them probably realize how incompetent Spandam is. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, if he's blaming the CP9, like, how much, I guess, gravity can you put on that? If I have, but if I have any complaints about this movie, is that... The cameos of Ra- of CP0 and uh, 
Sabo felt pretty superfluous and were kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, like, fair. when they show up, you get, like, a chill down your spine. Oh my god, it's Rob Lucci! Ha <laughs> Oh my god, it's fandom! Uh, but, like, they really don't add anything to the movie. You could take out their scenes and the movie pretty much is unchanged. They don't really directly affect the plot. Like, I was just, really hoping they'd at least show a fight between, like, Sabo and Lucci. Uh, yeah, at least it would have been nice if they shown an actual fight between them. Because they cut away right when they begin fighting. I know, I was really... actually kind of excited to see that. I actually kind of got chills when, when Lucci starts transforming, like, oh man, this is going to be cool. If they had shown that, I wouldn't have minded as much. But as it stands, like, they just felt like tacked on and just there for fan service. In, co- yeah. par- in contrast, like, all the cameos and appearances in film Z, they mattered to the plot and they felt believable that those characters would be there even if, like, they didn't have a substantial role. Like, Aokiji, he was important to that movie. And Kizaru was, like, a main antagonistic force in that movie. So, like, those felt more believable and more satisfying than the ones in film gold do to me. As much as it is cool to see, you know, Lucci again in the speaking role in the anime, but again, and then the second thing that, uh, a second criticism about, of this movie I have is that it is non-canon when it has no need to be. Like, this could have easily taken place between Fishman Island and Punk Hazard, and nothing would have been affected. Because, you know, Sabo doesn't interact with Luffy at all directly in this movie. Oh, no, but there's also, there's also the, th- there, I mean, like, Luffy also uses Gear 4, so. Yeah, but Gear 4 is something that Luffy came up with during the time skip. I that guess isn't that's true, some, yeah. And it's not like yeah. any of the other Straw Hats comment on, oh, what is this? I haven't seen this before. Like, no one makes a comment about Gear 4. Luffy just uses it. So it's not a big deal. It's not like what it, it would make perfect sense for him to use Gear 4. Like, he already had it at that point. He just didn't use it until just throws it. Like, if they just remove the fact that Tesoro mentions how Doflamingo was defeated, it could pretty much fit into canon. Yeah, and that's what bothers me about both this film Z and Strong World, I also think is considered non-canon, is that these movies add so much to the lore of the series, but they, but by making them non-canon, they just, like, don't mean anything in the context of the series well, at see, all, because I, well, I, they... I don't know. I personally, I, I kind of I don't care about that kind of thing. I feel like that's a thing that people constantly argue, and I feel like that doesn't really matter. Like, like do, do we really care about, like, how canon the D, the Dragon Ball Z movies are? No. Yes. Okay, so, so <laughs> it bothers me because these movies, like, directly tap into the series lore, and in many respects, they expand on it in really interesting ways. It's, like, such a shame, in particular, that Film Z is non-canon because of what it shows us of how fractured the Marines have become and how interesting Z is as a antagonist and how he relates to so many of the Marine characters in the series and was such an influence on them as they did in that movie. What that movie shows us of how Akiji has changed, too, is so interesting. So, it, to me, that is just such a shame. Like, because there is no reason for these movies to be non-canon. I'm not saying that 
they make or break my enjoyment of the movie because I still enjoy them as movies. But when they can add so much more to the series, why not take that opportunity and just make them canon? Especially since there's no reason for these movies to be non-canon. There's no, there's nothing in the movies that contradicts anything in the series. If you just had, you know, adjusted a few things, you could have easily placed it within the timeline of the series. Yeah, but to be fair, like, that that concept of whether something is canon or not doesn't really exist in, in the Japanese fan base at all. I've heard people like Greg talk about this kind of stuff through places like the One Piece podcast, where I'm pretty sure he has confirmed that, like, this, this, like, like, this kind of discussion isn't really, like, a thing that happens too often, or I could be remembering that wrong, I don't know, but... I don't know. Per- personal, personally, like I don't, I don't, I don't put stake in that kind of thing because it, like, it, it doesn't make or break my enjoyment of the movie. So, like, I just don't think about that kind of thing at all. And I think, I th- honestly, I think it leads to a lot of like really pointless discussions anyway. So that's just me personally. It doesn't break my enjoyment of the movie, but when they can just so easily make it canon and it could have such an interesting additive effect on the series and really expand on its lore, I think it's such a waste not to make them canon. It doesn't bother me as much with film Gold as it did with film Z that that movie was on canon, because that, that movie just was so interesting. But I still think it's just such a shame. It, like, if with the Dragon Ball Z movie, it, the newest ones... Battle of Gods and Resurrection F, I think like what's a, well, something that's great about those movies is that they are canon and that they can and that they expand on like the series in interesting ways. And of course, those take place after the end of the manga and sh- and whatever. But with these One Piece movies, like Toei could do do the same thing. They could make these stories that fit into the One Piece timeline that add to our appreciation. And enjoyment of the of the world of the sto- and characters of the story by showing us new things that we weren't explored in the series, but are important in the context of the world. And I'm not saying that's a big deal, Colton. I'm just saying it's a waste for them not to do it when they can easily do it. I, I guess, but like that—that's my problem with these kind of discussions is that they don't—they don't have to be officially canon for you to appreciate them as additions to an overall franchise. That's—that's that's my problem with these discussions. But when you make something like Zephyr was the mentor to all these marine figures, when you make that character non-canon, that character isn't in the storyline of the manga, then you have to wonder, like, that's a shame because. That effect that that character had, as shown in the movie, was so interesting. So I can still enjoy Zephyr as a as a character. I still love that movie, but I think it's just a shame that the effects of that movie, like what we saw about how things had changed for the Marines in that movie, I think it's a shame that that stuff isn't considered canon, and isn't like a, and isn't a, considered a part of the One Piece timeline. They could so easily have an opportunity with these movies to build upon the series, but I think making it non-canon does a disservice to the potential of those of these movies to do that. And that doesn't break the enjoyment value of these movies, but I just think that it could be so much more meaningful if they were to just go the extra mile and just... Ha- officially declare these canons, and I don't think it matters in the slightest. So that's just that's just my opinion. So I think we should move on. Yes, from I, this. I think we should move on too. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess what 
else is there to say? Uh, I mean, I guess we didn't talk about the soundtrack, and I think, like, I really dig the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of great jazzy yeah. tracks, and uh, I really enjoy... I really enjoyed all the little musical stings, like, and where we go, we're all dressed up and ready to go. Like, there's a lot of fun little musical cues oh my in the God. movie that's yeah, really it, nice. Yeah, the, the soundtrack for this is super good. Like, it's 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 very different from a lot of One Piece music, which is something I also really enjoy. Um, and I'm, I, I'd, ha I'd have to fact check this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the same composer for the soundtrack of Film Gold was also the composer of the soundtrack for uh, one of my favorite anime of all time, Death Parade, which, uh, oh. which I also, which I mean, I, you know, like I, I love Death Parade in general, but I also love its soundtrack. And I also, actually, now that I think about it, I also think uh, that same composer also did the soundtrack for uh, the, for the My Hero Academia anime. So it could, yeah, they did. Yeah. So, so clearly, Clearly, the composer for film for film gold knows what he's doing. Yeah, the soundtrack's great. Um, if we're, I guess, if there's all we have to say about that, I uh, just want to go into a few more little things I like about this movie. Is that one thing I like about all the One Piece movies really is that they give Nami and Robin more to do than they get in the actual series nowadays. <laughs> so Nami was a huge focal point of the movie, and I really appreciated that. And Robin, even Robin, also just had some great moments. She even just something as minor as her having the like some really hilarious expressions, like when Luffy it gets played by the bad luck and he's bouncing all over the place. I I just love the expression on Robin's face when she watches that, like small things like that, and also her one-liners in this movie are just great. And the fact that you know she also helps in beating like uh, Tanaka is really cool too. Like so, I, I like. I like Nami and Robin getting a lot of stuff to shine. I think that Karina was a cool new character. I think that, like, the backstory was kind of cheesy. It's like, oh, Karina betrayed her, except, no, uh, she came back. And it's like, that was kind of a misdirection. Well, okay. That was kind of weird. I thought it was okay. It wasn't really anything amazing. No, the backstory isn't amazing at all. It's just, it's, uh, to me, it's strange the way they present it as, oh, Karina betrayed Nami and they have this deep regret, but oh, actually, old Nami all along knew that Karina came back for her and actually she did come back for her because she saw her come back for her. So what, what the heck? But Karina herself is just a fun character though. I just like her personality and she also makes some fun expressions and I like her like at the end where she like tricks everyone in getting off the ship so she can steal the ship. That was great. She, she was a good, uh, new character like it's too bad like a lot of these movie characters don't appear again because this i she'd probably go down on my list of anime originally characters that i'd like to see in more stuff because she's pretty fun especially in her interactions with nami yeah actually i don't think we got a chance to talk about um a lot of the um a lot of the secondary cast of the movie too much especially with um tesoro's henchmen i, I thought i thought a lot of them were somewhat entertaining well, they were entertaining, but there weren't much to their characters either. Like, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, a lot of them were over-exaggerated, like, archetypes, so that was kind of amusing. Like, uh, and uh, one thing I will say, though, about this movie is that it probably has the best sequence of final battles of any of the One Piece movies, because all the characters, all the Straw Hats are involved, and all of them get to be involved in a fight, and like they, and it feels like there's enough time for the fights to 
and satisfyingly. So that was nice. That 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 in the animation for this movie, as much as I really can't stand a lot of Toei's like television productions, like their movies are usually pretty good, but I was kind of blown away by how good this movie looked and how amazing amazingly animated it was. Oh yeah, this was a really good looking movie. I was definitely very pleased with the production quality. And the, and, and like, there were a lot of great expressions, some great camera movements and Sakaga moments. Like, wow. This was, uh, this is a movie I definitely hope to see someone break down because there were a lot of great moments in here. Oh, yeah. Like, especially the opening scene where, um, where the Straw Hats enter the casino island and, um, they have to fight that one group of pirates. Um, and so. Oh, there's so many interesting camera moves in that opening scene, too. Like, when they have the transition that goes through Luffy's nose, that's so clever, because, like, the gold dust is falling on them at that point, so the gold dust is going into their bodies that way. That's such a great hint. Like, there was some really good camera moves. There was some re- uh, of course, the animation during that opening fight scene was really great, too. So that was a really fun way to begin the movie. Yeah, really fun way to, like, introduce all the characters, too. Even to Zoro and Karina, so... Those were a great introduction to those characters too, as well as the teen, as well as kind of the teens of the movie, considering what they were singing about. Yeah, that that was actually a moment I was uh, I was talking about earlier, where um, uh, the music sometimes was a little was a little louder than the dialogue. I had a little trouble actually understanding what they were singing about a little bit. Yeah, I think there might have been a sync problem there. So that then they'll probably fix for the home video release. Mm, probably. I'm, I mean, like I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely going to be buying this movie when it comes out. Because I, I I want to own this movie. I and I like. I wonder. I actually like kind of going back to our theater experience a little bit. I actually wonder if I would have liked this movie as much if I just watched it at home. Because I feel like this movie probably won't be as fun just watching on my TV as I, as it was in the theater. Yeah, I think that. Especially with a movie like this, which is like pure spectacle beginning to end. I think like the theater experience is a huge part in the enjoyment of it. But as I said, rewatching it a second, having rewatched it a second time, I think this is a very rewatchable movie. Oh yeah. So I, I think this is, will hold up on repeat movings, even on the smaller screen. Actually, I was actually, what did you guys think about, um, how, what's his name? I think his name was, Terry, the, the the guy that they introduced during the uh, during the wacky races portion of uh, of film Gold uh, that ended up coming back um, in, in the final. No, that was a completely different guy. Okay, that, that, they weren't they weren't the same guy. Oh, what the hell? I thought they were the same guy. I must have missed something. <laughs> Whoops. No, they, they were different. Huh? Because because I thought I had seen him earlier in the movie. Unless I'm just remembering that wrong. I, either way, the the I mean, they were both short people, but they're they're different. They're different characters altogether. Okay, I guess I'm remembering that wrong then. Well, I, either way, I I thought he was kind of an interesting character as far as like just normal human characters go. Well, I mean, he was funny. Like I thought, I enjoyed his his jokes and like it, his sequence where he he like uh, went into the uh, fan to try and stop it, and then like you think he's gonna make it through, but then he gets hit and then like tossed around, but then he like gets back on his feet and is like, oh, I'm gonna. Get on the side and stop the fan. Er, stop you. And then he gets everyone else to go and join him, and they all cling onto the fan and they stop it that way. I, that was a really fun scene. I that, that was a that. great moment. I was actually, I was actually like really rooting for the guy, and I thought, I thought he was gonna make it through, and then he, and then he gets hit, and I was like, I. I was actually kind of heartbroken when that happened because I was actually really rooting for the guy. Yeah, I mean, the the girl is behind me when I saw 
at the at the first time we're like, oh my god, he's gonna make it, and it's like, oh. So, yeah, like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, my God, is he going to make it? But then they were like, oh, man. But, like, yeah, Ray's Max, that, that's the name of the character. He was, he, was a, he was a fun character, another anime original character that would be nice to see again. Mm, okay, I completely, remember, I completely remembered his name wrong then. I don't know why I called him <laughs> Terry. Um, no, but, yeah, uh, even the human characters getting to, like, I guess the, I guess the non-main characters, the the NPCs, if you want to call them that, um, I thought <laughs> even had some good moments, and I, I I like it. I like it when like the characters like that even get to kind of like contribute to what's going on a little bit. Uh, it's always nice to see. Yeah, it was it was he raised Mac to as a good uh, original character, and so was Karina. She, they were all they were all a lot of fun. I think they don't. I think there are. Original characters from previous movies that are better and more interesting, but like they were, they were just fun, and I would like to see them in like OVAs or something or filler arts in the anime. The um, I also really like the animal characters in this movie too. They're they're yeah, they were like everyone laughs when the turtles show up and they flex their muscles. The the turtles were great. I really like them a lot. Yeah, the turtles were really funny. Um, and then the uh, then the owls were pretty good too. Yeah, which uh, which also led up to a great scene with Brooke, which I saw yeah. I saw it coming a mile away, but it was still pretty. Yeah, good. It, 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 you see it coming, but it's just still so hilarious when it happens. Like, and he's like so incredulous about it, like how rude. <laughs> That's just great. Uh, which actually, well, what did we all think about the? Because uh, obviously, we all saw this in English. Um, what did we all think of the English dubcast? I mean, it's the dubcast. Like, they're all really good at what they do. Like I thought, uh, yeah. especially since I haven't seen the movie in Japanese, I can't compare with the uh, with like Tesoro and Karina and what and all the all the movie original characters Japanese seiyu. But like the dubcast did really great job. Like whoever did raise Max in particular really captured like the feel of that kind of like uh, southern like old west character. So that was really nice. And yeah, I thought it was all a pretty bang up job again for Funimation. I mean. What I'd expect from them. Mm, yeah. yeah. I was only asking just because I actually haven't watched the dub in a while. I think I think the last I think the last part of the anime I saw dubbed was actually right before Eddie's Lobby. I've I've been doing a pretty bad job of collecting the anime on DVD for the past couple of years, so I haven't really gotten the chance to watch much of the dub. So this was this was a nice little return for me, and I like I clearly everybody on on the one piece cast has like grown significantly even ever since their first their first couple of like skypea episodes and whatnot like yeah I, like i i really i really enjoyed the dub for this movie um and i, I can't wait to see it in japanese because i really do like i really do like a lot of the save for the straw hats yeah i watched the i watched the one piece dub occasionally when the new dvd releases come out since i have like a Funimation now account and I guess in terms of the du- the dub cast overall is like what I expected because it's the one piece dub that we know at this point. I mean, in terms of like new casts, I guess uh, I think this was the first time uh, we've heard Sabo's dub voice. Yeah, yeah, uh, Vic Mignogna, which was played by Vic Mignogna, and I think Vic did a very good job. When I first heard him, I was like. Of course it's Vic Mignogna. Like, who else would it be? Yeah, I mean, he voices, like, all the blob characters. 
Yeah. Edward. Though I... Although Sabo isn't as self-absorbed as some of his other characters are, <laughs> like Edward and Prince Baka, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, like, I've, I've had, I've had arguments for people saying that, like, oh, maybe Johnny Young Bosch could have voiced Sabo, and I'm like, I guess maybe he could have. Mm. I'm not sure if I can... Maybe. I'm not sure. I, I, I have a, I have a very hard time trying to imagine how he would take on the character, but... But I, I think, I think Vic Mignogna, as much... As much shit as I like to give him for being in everything, I I think he's a pretty good fit for Sabo overall. Yeah, I I thought he did a fine job with Sabo. I think we covered most of our bases with the movie, I think. We touched upon everything, really. I think overall, though, I want to just get everyone's opinion of where they would rank this in context with the other One Piece movies, if you can rank it. And maybe just a little bit to go over... Like your top three or top five, if you've seen that many. Hmm. Well, yeah. Like I said earlier, I think I think this is pretty much my favorite One Piece movie at the moment right now. Um, and I think will probably still be until 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 I see the next movie that'll eventually come out, and we'll we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, other other like I think my my favorite before this, while I think it might be cheating because it's a retelling. I, I really can't help but say that movie nine is was was my favorite before this one, but again, that's cheating because I also I love the Drum Island arc and it has a lot of like real sentimental value to me as a person, and uh, it's it's easily my favorite arc in all of One Piece aside from Alabasta. Um, so I guess I guess that counts. Um, if I had to pick a third, that'd be kind of tough, but I guess I would have to say. Probably, I'd, I'd probably say Strong World. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched all the One Piece movies yet, so I can't really rank it in place of all of them. But I guess the top, of the ones I've seen, the top three would have to be, I guess, number one, Film Z, then two, Film Gold, then three, Strong World. Okay. Well, I have actually been watching through the One Piece movies, most of them for... The first time, because before this year, I'd only seen movies. I, I'd only seen the Alabaster movie, Strong World, and Film Z. Yeah, that, and Baron of Monstery that, before that this Alabaster year. movie's not good. Yeah, <laughs> so I started rewatching all of the movies from the first one this year. So I'm, I've basically at this point seen all of them except for uh, movie nine. But, so I'm not going to rank them all just because I haven't seen Movie 9, but just to rank, like, my top five, I'd say that my favorite is still Film Z, because Film Z, to me, just adds just so much to, like, the lore of the Marines, and Zephyr is just a fascinating uh, character. I just thought that movie just was, like, firing on all cylinders in terms of, like, adding to the lore of the series, as well as crafting an interesting villain. And, of course, you know, the production quality, like, the animation was excellent in that movie, and that, and the stakes felt high. That final fight between Luffy and Zephyr was really intense and brutal, and, of course, the emotional climax of that movie was just really pulled at your heart. Uh, after that, for second, I would put Film Gold because I do just find it so fun. I love this kind of movie. I love heist movies, and this was a really great One Piece version of that. And of course, I do think that Zoro is a really interesting villain. And even though the arc, and even though, like, this doesn't have as much 
depth in terms of what it adds to the series lore as film Z. It is just such a unique entry in the One Piece media canon, and it has just so many... It's just so interesting in terms of the location, uh, the music, uh, and the supporting cast. The supporting villains are used really well this time. Like, I thought Film Gold was just a lot of fun. After that third, I would put Dead End Adventure, because that is one of the few pieces of One Piece media that feels like an actual pirate film like this that actually feels like a pirate story and Gaspard even though he's a relatively simple villain is just so imminently threatening and Shariah was just a freaking great like uh, supporting character like that is a character I would have loved to see like appear in a filler arc in the anime because he was really interesting and cool so Dead in Adventure was really good I, I think that if I were to show anyone a One Piece movie to get to, like, introduce them to One Piece, I would probably show them Dead at Adventure because it introduces the Straw Hats in a very uh, ca- casual way but gives you a lot of... It gives you a good sense about the world and what and them as characters while also ca- creating a standalone adventure that's pretty easy to get into. So I really enjoy that movie a lot. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Pro- pro- probably about 10 years at this point, actually. <laughs> uh, fourth would be Strong World, because, yeah, that movie is also just really great visually, some great animation. Shiki is a great villain. Like, at least his backstory is canon to the manga, even if the movie itself isn't. So, like, he's a, he's a great character. A lot of the teams of the movie are kind of retreaded from, like, the like. Nami's the thing from the Arlong arc, sort of, but it's it's still pretty fun just overall. So you know, and then I guess fifth I would put Baron Amasri because I don't know if I actually enjoy watching that movie, but I respect what it does very well. Like it is, it is it feels so anti One Piece, but that puts it in a unique position where it can give some commentary on the series that like, a more traditional entry in the series couldn't. And I do think that there is just a lot of interesting things about the movie. Where are the disturbing things, too? And it has a very unique villain. And very dis- and it, it feel- the emotional stakes are just so high in that movie, too, in that climax, which is really messed up and then really cathartic when the day is saved, so... Yeah, I, I guess I'd have to get to Bear on a Monster, even though I don't know if I can say I actually enjoy watching the movie, but I respect what it does so much that I would probably have to put it in my top five. At least for now. I still have movie nine to see, so maybe that'll make my top five. And then I, I like most of the One Piece movies besides, uh, I guess the only ones I don't like, well, I guess I, I, I don't, I think Cursed Holy Sword is kind of average. Like, it doesn't really offer anything interesting. Uh, Desert Princesses and Pirates tried to squeeze a thir- uh, like a 40-episode arc into one movie, and it doesn't work. Uh, it also has, like, a jiggling booze, which pissed me off. Um, that in Movie 7 does, too. What? I said Movie 7 does that, too. I don't think I've seen that one either, though. That's uh, well, the well, giant soldier of the mechanical Okay, well, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, Sid. If you hate jiggling boobs, there's going to be a lot of it in Movie 7. 
Yeah. The f- and then the first two One Piece movies are just kind of boring too. So Yeah, and a lot of, and a lot of them aren't even like really feature length either. I think like like the first 3 of them are like barely an hour. I, I like the third one. It's a cho- since it's a cho- it's a chopper focused film and I think that was really interesting to do at that point in the series and I think like it did use chopper in interesting ways and like the setting was kind of fun and the animals were also kind of fun. So I did enjoy that one. Yeah. But the first two movies weren't interesting at all. They had pretty weak antagonists like El Drago, like yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> uh, and his Indian swordsman guy. Okay, that I don't. I don't know how that relates to who El Drago is, but okay. Um, then the Clockwork Island movie. It has the Trump siblings, which are I don't. I don't remember anything about them. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember anything about the antagonist from movie two at all. So yeah, so. Those movies are boring, but most of the One Piece movies are pretty enjoyable, at least. Uh, even if they don't reach the heights that Filmsy, Film Gold, and, in my opinion, Dead in Adventure do. So I was gonna say, like, since Strong World, I think all the One Piece movies just keep getting better and better. Yeah, and so I'm. I think that's really great. That you know, I think it's definitely to the benefit that they now make these every so often instead of every year now, so they can really spend time working on them, as well as they get involvement and ideas from Oda. Yeah, because exactly. What Oda can come up with is generally better than what the anime staff has been able to come up with. Mm, yep. I, I wish he would work on the filler arcs. That'd be nice, but that's never going to happen. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I think that's our opinion on One Piece Film Gold. Overall, we highly recommend it and recommend that you go check that check it out when it uh, comes out on DVD and Blu-ray over here and uh, give it a watch because it is one of the best movies One Piece has to offer. Yes, it is. So, yeah, uh, I think that about does it. Uh, I want to thank Colton Relord for you guys joining me today, uh, talking about One Piece from Gold. It was a lot of fun. Had some heated discussions, but <laughs> some interesting discussions. <laughs> oh, boy, yep. So uh, let's tell the folks, uh, where can they find you, Colton? Oh, well, if you want to hear hear about me and you know all my dumb opinions, you can come find me on Twitter. That's SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. I do a lot of other like podcast stuff. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably already listen to Manga Mavericks. Are, are you? Are, are I guess you could call it now Father Podcast, uh, spinning off all these different other podcasts apparently. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, I just you get, yeah, uh, listen to my other podcast, Life Lessons the Gintama Manga Cast. If you're a Gintama fan, uh, one podcast prevails. If you're a fan of Detective Conan slash Case Closed. Go look for those, and I think that's about it. Vlord, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at VLORDGTZ. That's V-L-O-R-D-G-T-Z. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much just lurk around there mainly. If you want to talk about uh, JoJo or Detective Conan, the two main things I'm obs- uh, obsessed about, you can pretty much hit me up there. And yeah, that's about it. Alright, as for me, you can find me as Adlaman Yasha on Animation Revelation, Twitter, and my anime list. Though, I will let you know that I'm on a internet hiatus, so you won't see me posting much, but if you PM me, I will respond to you. You can also find the show Movie Mavericks, uh, on allcomic.com, and of course, we will, of course, uh, 
tweet it out and post the episodes on our new YouTube page, which make sure to like and subscribe to our content on there so we can make our custom URL for that page. And as for the show just as a whole, you can follow us on Twitter as at, at manga underscore mavericks and on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com and of course you can look us up on YouTube just as Manga Mavericks. Again, we need you guys to subscribe so we can get that custom URL to send to you guys. Uh, yeah, and that's where you can find us and look forward to the next Movie Mavericks episode, which this episode will probably be released early February, so the next one will probably be released late February, uh, based on what I have planned, and we'll be discussing Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions. Look forward to that, and I will, and we will see you there. And there we go. Sayonara! Later.